Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Audrey Tappan, is a colorholic and self-proclaimed networking maven. She prefers red wine, tacos, and reading in no particular order, and is always wearing purple. Based out of New York City, Audrey helps product-based businesses elevate their visuals for marketing campaigns and educates freelancers on better ways to market themselves with today's resources. Audrey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so thrilled. And for those of you that can't see Audrey, she's got rock and purple hair, rock and purple background, like colors galore. So before we dive into this, what did you want to be when you grew up? Let's throw it back first. I think it was the same as just about everyone. And it was a veterinary doctor. Oh, so that was my childhood dream walking around telling everyone I'm going to be a veterinary doctor. And they're like, okay, give it 10 years or (laughs) even just three for that matter. But yeah, I thought I was going to work with animals. I grew up on a farm, so I thought it was appropriate. Oh, that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Yes. Grew up on a farm. How many animals are we talking? Like, what was that like? Well, it was an agricultural farm. So all of the animals were our personal pets versus kind of having a farm of, you know, cows or things like that. But we had dogs, chickens, a goose, a couple donkeys, I think, at some point, goats, horses. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, it ran the gamut. Whatever the feed store had that weekend, if they had chicks, I was coming home with a couple of new chickens. If they had baby geese, I was going to come home with a goose. So why not? It just happens. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. transitioning. At what point did you change what you wanted to be or walk us through kind of teenager, early adulthood, all that good stuff? Once I got into high school, I think that's when I started to think I was going to be in the military because I was in the JROTC program at high school. So I was really dedicated to that. And academically, I was really set to try and go to a naval academy and in the midst of all of this, ever since I was a child, I was always taking pictures. I was always a very artistic child, very creative, but I still thought I was going to go this kind of academic route. But I was a senior in high school and I went to my colonel and I said, hey, I need a letter or for a letter to go to this academy. And he looked at me and he's like, this is really what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, what are you, what are you talking about? I'd you know, he never wrote the letter. It was a very odd interaction where no one really said anything else. And I was like, okay, well, I'll get back to you. He never filled it out. I never went to the academy and I ended up going to an art school to do photography. So it was just this subconscious decision where I knew that it wasn't for me based on other people's reactions when I told them I was going to do it. And not exactly sure how it happened, to be honest. It just did. Like one thing led to another where I thought I was going to go this direction and I went that direction. I thought I was going to go to the local art college in my area and ended up applying to only one school in Savannah, Georgia, the Savannah College of Art and Design, and I got accepted. And I tell people that story. They're like, you only applied to one college and just went with it? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's just what I did. So it's been a lot of flying by the seat of my pants, I think. I love that. And it seems to have worked out for you. So that's good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm happy with the way it turned out. Okay, so the difference with you and I loved when you reached out to me because I looked at your website and everything and it is the most vibrant, like gives you good vibes website. Like I can't even explain. I tried to think of like something clever to say about it, but 
It's awesome. And especially, and we're going to dive into like your resources you give to freelancers and all, but how did you kind of distinguish yourself as this or differentiating factor in being in a creative field that you're in? Well, it's definitely been a journey. When I began doing photography, I did a little bit of everything, which I think a lot of freelancers do that. They try to find what they're good at or what they enjoy. So from being a wedding photographer to just doing headshots and portraits and families, it was a progression that was slow, but it was, I was slowly weeding out these types of photography I didn't like to do. So it started with letting go of weddings because I got a client that was an influencer and she needed someone to photograph all of her Instagram feed content. And she was a very colorful person. She liked to have fun. We would do a lot of like cheesy kind of Photoshop stuff. And I realized, wow, this is really fun and dove into that with her. And then would slowly get a client here or there and realized color was kind of the main attraction to a lot of these brands that I enjoyed working with. So over time, I weeded out things like the real estate photography I was doing, because that's pretty bland and did more fashion and realized, oh, well, the colorful fashion is what I like. And then because of, you know, lower budgets or not having space or clients that didn't have a, you know, a lot of money, I realized, well, if I don't want to have to rent out studios, I could do products in my house. So I'm doing products without having to rent out an extra space and realize, well, I'm really good at this. And again, like color is coming into play. I can get a lot more creative with the environment that the product's in, where when you have a model, you have to think on a lot larger scale. So it was a slow progression from doing everything I could to make money to finding out what I enjoyed doing while making money and monetized that. I love that you bring that up because that was my first thought, because I know weddings are where the money's at. You get a lot of good money there. So what was that decision and how did you ultimately come to it? Because that'd be a hard decision to make when the money's right there, but ultimately your happiness. So how did you kind of come to terms with, screw it, I'm going to focus on color and more of what I like to do instead? Sure. Well, the money for weddings is definitely there when it's on a larger scale. And I feel like to be on that scale, you do have to be passionate about weddings and love and two people you don't know actually coming together and <laughs> weddings. So right. for me, I wasn't even doing the larger events where I would be making a lot of money because I'm doing video and things like that. So it wasn't too hard of a decision to let it go because I would say the income was comparable for me. So it was just an easy transition of I'm going to go do this instead and not necessarily get too much of a pay cut. So I know some people really do make a lot of money doing weddings, but I think they enjoy doing it also. So you can tell in their work while they're passionate about this. Right. Now, transitioning into doing these, I don't want to say branding pictures, but especially looking at your Instagram and all for, or I should say product pictures, and like you said, doing it out of your house, how do you land these clients? Because they're very impressive ones you have in your portfolio. But how has that process been? Because someone like me is like, holy shit, that's amazing. What's the process been like to land those clients for you? You would be surprised at how far one email can go. Mm -hmm. I've just emailed people that I imagined would be out of my reach, I guess, you know, like Burst Oral Care. They're in stores that I go to, CBS and 
large retailers. But I just sent an email and said, hey, I do photography. I love your products. I love the colors that your product comes in. And I would love to work with you if you were ever in need. So I just introduced myself. And sometimes they never email back. Most of the time, they'll never email you back. But sometimes they do. And if you send out enough of them, you're going to land clients that you want to work with. So I think it's just a little bit of initiative and, you know, taking a chance to see if someone wants to. They're just human like you and I. So they want to see exciting photos of their product as well. So if you catch them in a place where they need photography, you might just be the one. Right. And you're honestly making it easier for them to choose that you just end up in their inbox. So I appreciate that. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Now, another facet of you, when we had initially talked, you talked about helping freelancers with resources you give. And I know you touch on that a little bit of doing the freelance end, starting out. But why is that something that you're passionate about? And what does that look like as far as resources you do give out or help freelancers with? Well, as a freelancer and having to send out all of these cold emails myself and finding ways to come in contact face to face with the people I want to meet by going to networking events and everyday tools that I use to track my emails or connect with other like-minded collectives are all things that I have acquired over the years. So in my mind, I want to give back to the people that work alongside me and do what I do because there's enough work for everyone to go around. So I think if I have this long list of things that I use and have benefited from, why not share that with my community and help elevate those around me? Not only the brands that I work with, where I elevate their visuals for them and their marketing campaigns, I want to help other freelancers elevate their visuals so that they can get more jobs and connect with the people that they need to connect with. And I love that there's enough work to go around. Yeah, because I've been told that by people, they're like, why are you connecting with other career coaches or podcasters? Like, why would you have someone on your podcast that's in your field? It's like, again, there's different niches and there's different areas. I mean, you're in New York, I'm in Michigan, and there's global work available. But I think that's a connotation when people are outside of freelance that don't really understand that. But it's like, if you can help someone else, why not? Yeah. And I might come in contact with someone who wants really moody photography, like dark, gothic, Halloween, something. And I go, you know, I could do that, but I don't on a regular basis. Let me connect you with Sally Ann down the road who does Halloween photography. I don't know. And uh, it's important to keep your your network close so that you can share jobs that either aren't in your niche or maybe you just don't have time for. Sometimes we're just too busy. Sometimes you might be booked for months with your podcast and someone's like, I need to get on. And you're like, well, you could go on so-and-so's podcast and then come back to me when I'm available kind of thing. Because especially in New York, there are millions of people I cannot do photography for every single brand. You know, it's just not realistic. So it's important to share with each other. Well, and it offers a better client experience too, because it's being honest rather than you like taking on the work and then it's not your vibe and then it's, you know, the Mm -hmm. client's not going to be happy. So I totally agree with that and very much the same there. But with everything that you do, what exciting things do you kind of work on either day to day or what does a day in your life look like? Because it seems like every day is kind of different in the best way possible. Yeah, most of my days, like I said, are sending out emails and doing admin work. But 
when I do have a client or even when I don't, sometimes I shoot stuff just for fun, but I kind of plan a play day, if you will. So I try not to schedule anything else and I get set up in my studio and it's really just a creative process of, okay, let's get the lights set up. Let's get the background set up and then just sort of go and see what happens. And there's not much of a plan usually outside of like a mood board and maybe we know we're going to use some props, but I just want to see how things flow. So I let myself be as creative as possible, see what works, see what doesn't. And then it's really just editing and communicating with the clients. It's a lot of admin. So I would say I would be in the studio one day of the week out of, you know, five, because a lot of it is the outreach, everything that comes after the photo shoot has happened and networking, a lot of like out of the house events, virtual events as well. I would say being a part of other communities is huge. So I get a lot of my work through referrals. So for me, it's just a lot of connecting. It is so huge on connecting. Now, something we talk about a lot on this podcast is that networking piece. And of course, there's sometimes repetitive careers or fields that people do in these groups. But how have you found kind of like your ideal networking groups or what you decide to put your time and energy into? What's that kind of experience been like for you? Well, usually you can tell when you go to a networking event, if it's your vibe right away, you know, it's kind of, you can walk in and be like, these are my people or they're not. So I definitely have gone to some groups and it just didn't really click and I never went back. But the ones I've been drawn to are the ones that, again, it all comes back to having fun for me and just having a good time. Am I laughing with these people? Am I connecting and having genuine conversations? So it's finding groups that you have similar interests in. So it's not necessarily do we have careers that align? It's more just like, are we getting along? Because that's where the actual connection happens. When I connect with someone at an event, I'm like, oh, wow, you like jet skiing too? Oh my God, I love jet skiing. Like, tell me more about it. Now we've connected on a personal level and like, oh, well, what do you do for a living? And then typically speaking, if you're going to vibe on that level, you might have clients that are similar because you're similar types of people. So that's really my advice. We're just like, look for your tribe and the work will come. Don't necessarily look for the work and then look for your tribe because you're going to be doing it in the wrong order. And it's a lot of, I feel, it's kind of like dating. Like you got to find the right mm-hmm. the right one. <laughs> and if the vibes are off, get out. But exactly. When you're going to these events, what are some tips? Because a lot of questions I get asked a lot are like, okay, you go to all these events, but like that sounds scary or that sounds awful Mm -hmm. or I'm more introverted, whatever the case may be. So what are your best practices as far as like not feeling awkward of like, hi, I'm Audrey and walking right up to people? Yeah, something I tell freelancers in a class that I give, which is networking tips for freelancers, is that a lot of us forget that we're all there in the room doing the same thing, right? So I show up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm nervous. I don't want to, like you said, I, I'm so scared to walk up to them and say, hi, I'm Audrey. But remember, they're all there with the same goal. They all probably felt that same thing when they walked in the door. So once you let that go and you just walk up to people, say you see a group of three people, just walk up and say, hey guys, I'm just going to join your group. Like, you know, not interrupting, keep going. I'm just going to literally stand here with you. And they're usually like, oh, yeah, whatever. And they just start introducing themselves because 
They know what it's like to have to walk up to a group and sort of awkwardly third wheel yourself in. So I would say that's really my biggest tip outside of also having a goal. So I usually go in and say, you know, I want to walk out of here with two emails or something like that. Or I want to connect with someone on LinkedIn. Or maybe I want to find the person in the room that maybe is a creative director and is going to have brands that they work with that might need photography. So once you get past the, oh shit, I'm scared and nervous, and then just go, okay, let me just go meet somebody. That's probably the best place to start. And it is sometimes just awkward. Like you just have to like insert yourself into the conversation and it still feels weird. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've been networking for probably six, seven years now and it's still is awkward sometimes. So just got to do it. Yeah. And I don't go to these events with anyone else. I usually go alone. So that's another added thing where if you have a friend and you're like, oh, well, let's both just go stand over here in the corner. I find that if I go with someone, I'm less inclined to speak with other people because I already have my person. Right. Where when you are alone, you're like, I have to just insert myself. And that can be daunting. It can. It very much can. Now, for someone that's maybe listening to this and maybe has considered freelancing, but it's very daunting and scary, what advice would you have for them? Or what are some, I know you could probably give 100 tips for it, but what are some baselines to get started in the freelance world? Besides working with you, of course, and using your resources, but... Of course, yes. (laughs) I would say find a community local to you. Start with maybe an in-person event and just feel out what's going on in your neighborhood, in your city. And, you know, it all depends on the type of freelancing that you're doing. But I would just say first gauge your local area because face-to-face interactions will probably get you the most work. And after that, it's just finding even virtual communities. And once you start there and you can build a relationship with people that are going to bring you work, that's going to be, I think, your most constant source of income if you keep up with it. But other than that, very, you know, formatted way of finding work, I would just say, make work even when you're not being paid to do it. So be creative. If you're a graphic designer, you should be doing little creativity exercises on the side just to get new work flowing. Because a problem a lot of us run into when we decide we want to start freelancing is we don't necessarily have a portfolio yet. Or for me, I do graphic design on the side and I can't just wait around for someone to go, oh, Audrey, will you do graphic design for me? If they don't know, I do it. I need to have some work done. So I would say if you're going to freelance, make sure you have work to show, even if you haven't been paid for it. I know it's in our minds, we're like, we know we want the money. I don't want to have to like make all of this stuff and not get paid, but make up a fake brand, make a fake logo, put it on your website. You're allowed to do that. So be creative, make work and find a community. Well, and even, I mean, depending if you have some friends or family that maybe needs help or Mm -hmm. anything, I mean, we still do this to this day is like if we're piloting a new service, I mean, I'll either do it for free or I'll do it extremely discounted with the you give back to us feedback. And that's the best thing. Yes. And something I just thought about too is the difference between like a corporate job and freelancing. And I think what a lot of people get hung up on is like, you need to change things and you need to like change your process and keep up to date, especially mm-hmm. in your field. I mean, whew, staying up to date on like yeah. trends and branding and what do people want to see? And whew, it's a lot. And all the software like AI oh, as well. Yes. Like 
keep up with that. That's one thing. That's a full-time job itself, right? Yeah. This is a conversation I have a lot. I'm not coming up with the right question to ask you because what I've had the conversation around is a lot of people are like, what do you mean? Like you have a meeting every day to see what's broken and you guys just like fix it or you just like take on new tech and just like roll with it. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but what's that been like for you of like, it's not rolling with the punches, but like rolling with the times, we'll say. Absolutely. Recently, I added animation to my list of services because I was already adding graphic design to my fashion photography. I don't do it as much anymore to my product photography. But when I did fashion, I would like draw on the photos and add fun little elements to them. And I thought, oh man, I can make these move. Let me learn how to do that. And then recently I offered, it's about six people, a completely free service where I took their already existing logo and then animated it. So sort of an exercise of can I make this happen when I didn't build this file? Like I'm not getting the file with all the layers, right? I didn't design it. Just let's see what I can do with what I have. So not only was it an exercise of creating new work that I wasn't getting paid for, but I was giving back to my community that I have already built. So now I'm, I now built trust and at least 60 people that trust my services. And I asked them the only thing that they needed to do in exchange was post it on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is where the money's at. Yes. And I don't have ad dollars. So I'm going to give you this and you're going to post it. and You're going to tell everyone how much you love me. And it's going to be amazing. So that's an example of me as a photographer, kind of, like you said, piloting a new service and doing it for free. I think I did that, say, two months ago. Since then, I've gotten three paid logo animations from people that came from those communities that kind of saw that. They're like, oh, I saw you did that for so-and-so. How much do you charge for that? Now I can charge $150 to animate someone's logo. And all I had to do was do it six times for free in my spare time. So that's how I have, as a photographer, stayed kind of trending is how can I make my photos move? So that logo animation, I can also apply those skills to my photos, make gifts for people. A lot of brands want things that are going to catch someone's attention in three seconds or less. So how can we do that with a photo? That's so awesome. Now, something you said, You said LinkedIn is where the money is at. Why did you say that? (laughs) Because people on most social media platforms are there to consume and they are maybe clocked out. I'm going to take a break from work and I'm going to go play on Instagram and scroll and just see, you know, watch funny videos where LinkedIn's a place for professionals that are intentionally trying to connect with other people. and. You have plenty of profiles on there that aren't active, but the people that are, they're there because they are like, hey, I'm advertising myself to connect with you. I don't just want you to follow me and that's it. They are actively trying to build a community. So I find that if I post or if someone posts like, hey, Audrey made this logo animation for me, there are so many professionals on there that are like, I have a logo. I could use that animated. You know, if I put that on Instagram, people might go, oh, that's cool. Like, right. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. So, so you get a slightly more valuable connections when it comes to like professional connection mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. And it's yeah. a great way from those networking groups that you talked about to hold your connections. Oh my gosh. Exactly. And I personally, I've heard 
different things, but I personally don't connect with anyone on LinkedIn unless I have seen you face to face, whether it's virtually or in real life. So anyone can follow me, but personally, I like to keep my connections, actual connections. Like I can say I know you where other people they're like, whatever, connect with whoever, the bigger the network, you know, the bigger the net, the more fish you're going to catch. But for me, in my personal brand, the fish I want to catch, I want to be like big and juicy and worth the catch versus like Instagram is where I'm going to cast my big net and be like, whatever, let's connect and hang out and like each other's stuff. But in LinkedIn, I'm a connection. I want people to trust like she does know that person. I love that. Now, for the next whatever, short term, long term, what exciting projects or do you have anything that you want to bring up of that you're working on or any new services you're offering? Currently, I am testing out a price per item model where instead of someone paying me hourly or just for the day, brands can come to me and say, I have this one hand lotion. Maybe all they make is hand lotion and they just need a couple photos. They don't have a huge budget so they can get a set of photos and animation for a set price and they can just pay per product. So every time they come to me, you know, they can pay as little as $275. So I'm kind of testing that out and see how that works for smaller businesses that when they see a price tag of, you know, 3000, it kind of scares them. So this is a accessible avenue, you know, for small brands to, you know, get product photography and not have to spend an arm and a leg. That's awesome. So we're going to see how that goes. Amazing. Now, as we wrap this up, Audrey, what advice do you have for listeners? Practice your elevator pitch and make sure you have a creative pitch deck to send to your potential clients that doesn't have a lot of copy in it. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they do have a creative deck, but they try to write every single thing about them in the deck. Like, I want you to get to know my entire brand and personality in five minutes. So keep it short and sweet. You know, if you hate having to read a paragraph email when someone sent it to you, just know that everyone else hates to read it too. So short, sweet, and make sure, you know, you're connecting with people. Amazing. Audrey, you gave so many great nuggets of information. And if those of you listening want to work with Audrey, utilize her resources or considering the freelance route, head to the show notes, work with her, reach out to her on socials and tune in again next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.